Hello, this is Jenna Pecor, the Faces of Grand Prairie podcast host. And today I'm going to continue on with our civic series by reading aloud some of the founding documents from our nation and our state and our city. And tomorrow is Memorial Day, which is the day that we honor the sacrifices made by those who have served in the United States Armed Forces. And then we will, um, coming up here in about a month, we're going to have Independence Day, July 4th. And I thought that it was a good opportunity to read aloud um, some of the founding documents that created our country and then um, try to find some of the founding documents that created our city so that we all know just a little bit better about the documents that rule over us in terms of government and authority and what these documents give us as the people in terms of our authority and what is our responsibility to being citizens of this country. So I'm going to start today with the Declaration of Independence. And this was read in Congress in, on July 4th, 1776. I'm actually reading this from a book called Freedom, Great Americans Speak. And it was a book that was published in 1948. It was published by Charles Scribner's Sons, printed in the United States of America. And it was edited by Frederick C. Packard Jr. And at the back, it's got the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution of the United States, and the amendment to the Constitution, the amendments to the Constitution. So I'm going to read the Declaration of Independence today, and I'll read the Constitution of the United States tomorrow. And then there's some other really amazing speeches in here by the likes of uh, Patrick Henry, Alexander Hamilton, George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Franklin Roosevelt. There's all kinds of people. So maybe I'll get to those at some point. But um, this is the first time that I've read the Declaration of Independence out loud. I know that I've read it before, but think it's very interesting um, that we all hear it in uh, being read aloud. If you are interested in watching this as a video as opposed to listening to it as a podcast, I will have the copy of the Declaration of Independence up on the screen so that you can follow along with the words as I read them. You can find the YouTube channel at Faces of Grand Prairie. Before I read the actual declaration, I'm going to read the information given on archives.gov, which is the National Archives website. And if you look under the America's Founding Documents section, you will find the Declaration of Independence section. And within that section, it gives us an explanation about how the Declaration of Independence actually happened, what events led up to it. So I'm going to read from that before we begin reading the actual Declaration of Independence. The revolution begins. In the early 1770s, more and more colonists became convinced that Parliament intended to take away their freedom. In fact, the Americas, in fact, the Americans saw a pattern of increasing oppression and corruption happening all around the world. Parliament was determined to bring its unruly American subjects to heel. Britain began to prepare for war in early 1775. The first fighting broke out in April in Massachusetts. In August, the king declared the colonists in a state of open and avowed rebellion. 
For the first time, many colonists began to seriously consider cutting ties with Britain. The publication of Thomas Paine's stirring pamphlet, Common Sense, in early 1776, lit a fire under this previously unthinkable idea. The movement for independence now was in full swing. Choosing Independence The colonists elected delegates to attend a Continental Congress that eventually became the governing body of the Union during the Revolution. Its second meeting convened in Philadelphia in 1775. The delegates to Congress adopted strict rules of secrecy to protect the cause of American liberty and their own lives. In less than a year, most of the delegates abandoned hope of reconciliation with Britain. On June 7, 1776, Richard Henry Lee introduced a resolution that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states. They appointed a committee of five to write an announcement explaining the reasons for independence. Thomas Jefferson, who chaired the committee and had established himself as a bold and talented political writer, wrote the first draft. Writing the Declaration On June 11, 1776, Jefferson holed up in his Philadelphia boarding house and began to write. He borrowed freely from existing documents like the Virginia Declaration of Rights and incorporated accepted ideals of the Enlightenment. Jefferson later explained that he was not striving for originality of principle or sentiment. Instead, he hoped his words served as an expression of the American mind. Less than three weeks after he'd begun, he presented his draft to Congress. He was not pleased when Congress mangled his composition by cutting and changing much of his carefully chosen wording. He was especially sorry they removed the part blaming King George III for the slave trade, although he knew the time wasn't right to deal with the issue. Declaring Independence On July 2, 1776, Congress voted to declare independence. Two days later, it ratified the text of the Declaration. John Dunlap, official printer to Congress, worked through the night to set the Declaration in type and print approximately 200 copies. These copies, known as the Dunlap Broadsides, were sent to various committees, assemblies, and commanders of the Continental Troops. The Dunlap Broadsides weren't signed, but John Hancock's name appears in large type at the bottom. One copy crossed the Atlantic, reaching King George III months later. The official British response scolded the misguided Americans and, quote, their extravagant and inadmissible claim of independency, unquote. The Declaration of Independence was designed for multiple audiences, the king, the colonists, and the world. It was also designed to multitask. Its goals were to rally the troops, win foreign allies, and to announce the creation of a new country. The introductory sentence states the Declaration's main purpose, to explain the colonists' right to revolution. In other words, quote, to declare the causes which impel them to the separation, unquote. Congress had to prove the legitimacy of its cause. It had justified the most powerful nation on earth. It needed to motivate foreign allies to join the fight. The preamble. These are the lines contemporary Americans know best, Quote, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, unquote. 
These stirring words were designed to convince Americans to put their lives on the line for the cause. Separation from the mother country threatened their sense of security, economic stability, and identity. The preamble sought to inspire and unite them through the vision of a better life. The List of Grievances The list of 27 complaints against King George III constitute the proof of the right to the rebellion. Congress cast the causes which impel them to separation in universal terms for an international audience. Join our fight, reads the subtext, and you join humankind's fight against tyranny. The Resolution of Independence. The most important and dramatic statement comes near the end, quote, that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states, unquote. It declares a complete break with Britain and its king and claims the powers of an independent country. The Declaration of Independence in Congress, July 4th, 1776. The Unanimous Declaration of the 13 United States of America. Preamble. When, in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundations on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes, and accordingly all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations, pursuing invariably the same object, invinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies, and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. Specific Charges Against the King The history of the present King of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. He has refused his assent to laws, the most wholesome and necessary for the public good. He has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance unless suspended in their operation till his assent should be obtained, and, when so suspended, he has utterly neglected to attend to them. He has refused to pass other laws for the accommodations of long, large districts of people, unless those people would relinquish the rights of representation in the legislature, a right inestimable to them and formidable to tyrants only. 
He has called together legislative bodies at places unusual, uncomfortable, and distant from the depository of their public records for the sole purpose of fatiguing them into compliance with his measures. He has dissolved representative houses repeatedly for opposing with manly firmness his invasions on the rights of the people. He has refused for a long time after such dissolutions to cause others to be elected, whereby the legislative powers, incapable of annihilation, have returned to the people at large for their exercise, the state remaining, in the meantime, exposed to all the dangers of invasions from without and convulsions within. He has endeavored to prevent the population of these states for that purpose obstructing the laws for naturalization of foreigners, refusing to pass others to encourage their migration hither, and raising the, the conditions of new appropriations of lands. He has obstructed the administration of justice by refusing his assent to laws for establishing judiciary powers. He has made judges dependent on his will alone for the tenure of their offices and the amount and payment of their salaries. He has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. He has kept among us in times of peace standing armies without the consent of our legislatures. He has effected to render the military independent of and superior to the civil power. He has combined with others to subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our constitution and unacknowledged by our laws giving his assent to their acts of pretended legislation, for quartering large bodies of armed troops among us, for protecting them by a mock trial from punishment for any murders which they should commit on the inhabitants of these states, for cutting off our trade with all parts of the world, for imposing taxes on us without our consent, for depriving us in many cases of the benefits of trial by jury, for transporting us beyond seas to be tried for pretended offenses, for abolishing the free system of English laws in a neighboring province, establishing therein an arbitrary government, and enlarging its boundaries so as to render it at once an example and fit instrument for introducing the same absolute rule into these colonies, for taking away our charters, abolishing our most valuable laws, and altering fundamentally the forms of our governments, for suspending our own legislatures and declaring themselves invested with power to legislate for us in all cases whatsoever. He has advocated government here by declaring us out of his protection and waging war against us. He has plundered our seas, ravaged our coasts, burnt our towns, and destroyed the lives of our people. He is at this time transporting large armies of foreign mercenaries to complete the works of death, desolation, and tyranny, already begun with circumstances of cruelty and perfidy scarcely paralleled in the most barbarous ages and totally unworthy the head of a, a civilized nation. He has constrained our fellow citizens, taking captive on the high seas and the, to bear arms against their country, to become the executioners of their friends and brethren, or to fall themselves by their hands. He has excited domestic insurrections among us and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers the merciless Indian savages who known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. In every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for redress in the most humble terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury. A prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. Nor have we been wanting in attentions to our British brethren. We have warmed them from time to time 
of attempts by their legislature to extend an unwarrantable jurisdiction over us. We have reminded them of the circumstances of our immigration and settlement here. We have appealed to their native justice and magnanimity, and we have conjured them by the ties of our common kindred to disavow these usurpations, which would inevitably interrupt our connections and correspondence. They too have been deaf to the voice of justice and consanguinity. We must therefore acquiesce in the, necess in the necessity which denounces our separation and hold them as we hold the rest of mankind, enemies of war, in peace, friends. Conclusion and Declaration We therefore, the representatives of this United States of America, in general Congress assembled, appealing to the Supreme Judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, do, in the name and by the authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are, and of right ought to be, free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown, and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is, and ought to be, totally dissolved, and that, as free as independent states, they have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and to do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. So after it was created, the next step was to get it ratified. So on July 19th, once all 13 colonies had signified their approval of the Declaration of Independence, Congress ordered that it be fairly engrossed to parchment, to engross is to write in a large, clear hand. Timothy Matlock, an assistant to the Secretary of the Congress, was most likely the penman. Signing the Declaration On August 2nd, the Journal of the Continental Congress records that the Declaration of Independence being engrossed and compared at the table was signed. John Hancock, President of the Congress, signed first. The delegates then signed by state from north to south. Some signed after August the 2nd. A few refused. George Washington was away with his troops. Ultimately, 56 delegates signed the Declaration, which included in Georgia, Button Gwinnett, Lyman Hall, and George Walton. In Maryland, Samuel Chase, William Paca, Thomas Stone, and Charles Carroll of Carrollton. In Delaware, Caesar Rodney, George Reed, and Thomas McKeon. In Massachusetts, Samuel Adams, John Adams, Robert Treat Payne, and Elbridge Jerry. In North Carolina, William Hooper, Joseph Hughes, and John Penn. In New York, William Floyd, Philip Livingston, Francis Lewis, and Lewis Morris. In Rhode Island, Stephen Hopkins and William Ellery. In Virginia, George Wythe, Richard Henry Lee, Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Harrison, Thomas Nelson Jr., Francis Lightfoot Lee, and Carter Braxton. In South Carolina, Edwidge Edward Rutledge, Thomas Hayward Jr., Thomas Lynch Jr., and Arthur Middleton. In New Jersey, 
Richard Stockton, John Witherspoon, Francis Hopkinson, John Hart, and Abraham Clark. In Connecticut, Roger Sherman, Samuel Huntington, William Williams, and Oliver Walcott. In Massachusetts, John Hancock. In Pennsylvania, Robert Morris, Benjamin Rush, Benjamin Franklin, John Morton, George Clymer, James Smith, George Taylor, James Wilson, and George Ross. In New Hampshire, Josiah Bartlett and William Whipple. And in New Hampshire, Matthew Thornton.